This episode of Celebrity Podcast Podcast touches on things that might be uncomfortable for some listeners, including bromance, boomer vibes, nostalgia for the America of yore, and seemingly endless and eternal pauses from former President Barack Obama. Plus the Clinton crime family. Welcome back to Celebrity Podcast Podcast. Here we are again. Once again. <laughs> With our hit podcast. Listen, if anyone could ever find it on Apple, it might be, we might have a chance. Of I know, you're fucking it. beefing with Tim Apple right now. <laughs> no, I mean, for some reason, you type in the actual name of our podcast as of this taping. Yeah. It doesn't come up, even though it is, a fa- in fact, on Apple Podcasts. If you type in your name, by the way, Henry Lavoy, it yep. comes up immediately. Oh, really? Although people wouldn't know, like, look for Henry Lavoy on Apple Podcasts. That makes sense. Well, our faces are on the uh, cover of it. Yeah. So if you, you could just look for our faces, maybe, yes. too. Although Spotify is on it. You type in C-E-L-E. Yeah. We're the top pick. <laughs> Love that. (laughs) Thanks, guys. Yeah. So what are we doing today on Celebrity Podcast Podcast? So today we have one that I've been very excited for. When we first came up with the idea for this podcast, this is one of the ones I really wanted to talk about most. And that is Barack Obama and Bruce Springsteen's Renegades podcast. How did we get here? How could we find our way back to a more unifying American story? That topic came to dominate so many of my conversations last year with Michelle, with my daughters, and with friends. And one of those friends just happened to be Mr. Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, they stole the name I wanted to use, by the way. Really? Yeah. For what? For this. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Before we get into that, though, we mentioned in the outro of the last episode that we were also considering talking about Bill Clinton's podcast. You mentioned that. I didn't. Yes. um, (laughs) I didn't want to talk about that. Our boy, friend of Jeffrey Epstein himself. Oh, my God. Allegedly. um, He's on the plane, man. Come on. Yes, that I know. But yeah, it was so boring. We decided not to talk about it. However, there is one thing worth mentioning okay the name of this podcast why am i telling you this with bill clinton (laughs) so why am i telling you this good question fucking awesome title yeah it is an awesome title that that just should also be the name of probably like every Every, maybe just any podcast ever why am i telling you this serial season four why are we telling you this (laughs) right now it's a very good question. Rebra- Jeff, um, we have some ideas for some new art. <laughs> <laughs> get on it. All right. Well, let's get into Barry and the Bosses podcast. So. <laughs> Barry, Jesus Christ. <laughs> so one thing I find very interesting about Obama as a public figure okay. is he's like the first president who in his post-presidency has kind of like a fully developed brand Mm -hmm. as we think about it today. You know, like in the past, there's like Jimmy Carter who has his, you know, whole like Sunday school thing or whatever. Yes, and building homes. Exactly. So like- I'll say Jimmy Carter is one other thing adding to his brand. Yeah. Apparently he's immortal. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) The dude has had cancer like 27 (laughs) times and- lives through the most unbelievable medical circumstances and then continues to build houses for Habitat for Humanity and teach Sunday school. It's incredible. Yeah, he's got the secret sauce. Yeah. Um, But 
what, what I mean with Obama, what, what makes him like distinct is like he has like a full media presence in a way that I don't think we've seen with any other president true. before him. That's true. And I think it kind of serves in my mind's two roles. One is to kind of like relitigate the history of his presidency, mm. which I would argue, like regardless of what you think of him, he kind of failed to live up to the kind of like hope and dreams of what people saw in him in 2008. Okay, so we should just mention you were seven in 2008. So what were your hopes and dreams when <laughs> Obama was elected? I remember it like it was yesterday. Um, you were going into third grade or whatever. Yeah, and you're like, yeah, Listen, yeah. Uh, it's been a rough seven years <laughs> in this post 9-11 world. Yeah, I can't yeah. smoke on a plane anymore. No, I was on the front of the picket lines in the Iraq <laughs> protests um, as a six-year-old. But yeah, so I think a lot of his project involves relitigating his presidency. And okay. I think we see that in like his, he has so many biographies. I don't know if you know this, but Barack Obama has like eight biographies or really? something crazy like How that. How many yeah. lives has he led? I don't know. He, yeah, he also has the um, documentary like deal with Netflix. Yes. And I watched his nature documentary about national parks, mm-hmm. which are about national parks around the world. And he narrates it by standing in a blue shirt in front of these like scenic vistas. Yes. Yes. that can walk. Surfing hippos want to catch the waves. Species found nowhere else on Earth. I think I would also include Pod Save America as kind of in this project. It's obviously not his thing, but it's I think... It's a spinoff, because John Favreau, yeah, one of the yeah, hosts, yeah, was his speechwriter, right? They were, yeah, well, they're all the guys in it. They're all like the Obama boys. Yeah. Like A lot of their project is kind of about, especially when Trump was elected, talking about their experience in the Obama White House and how things were different back then and like working, which does like some work to like make Obama's presidency appear differently than it might have actually been. Yeah. So it's sort of like a real life version of the West Wing is sort of what you're saying is like the post Obama presidency Obama brand. Yes. So I think that's the first thing that his brand does is kind of like relitigating his presidency. The other kind of important role, though, I think, is the fact that now that he's like a Martha's Vineyard billionaire, Mm -hmm. kind of maintaining his goodwill with the public and not just making him seem like a ivory tower Martha's Vineyard rich guy, which guy who, I would argue he is. Guy so. who dines with Steven Spielberg. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which he does. So I think that that is really what this podcast is doing. It's kind of like post-presidency Obama. It's so funny. His character is the kind of like letting the hair down after hours Obama, where he definitely seems like a little bit more willing to talk hmm. openly yeah. and like honestly about things, which I mean, take maybe, up smoking again. Maybe you should have done when you were president, buddy. Perhaps, but, perhaps. Um, I have a question though. Do you think that getting rid of the impression that you have dinner with Steven Spielberg on Martha's Vineyard, which you do, by the way, a way to do that is by going to Bruce Springsteen's house and talking to him? I think it does. I yeah. think it is because yeah. I think it's known that he is rich and that sort of thing. But I think. A lot of this podcast, as we'll get into, is like him and Bruce talking especially about their childhood and growing up. And I think a lot of that focus on him like growing up in Hawaii and being like middle class in America, the American dream, all of this stuff really kind of serves to like mask his current life, which is just whining and dining with 
the richest people As in the is U.S. Bruce's. Yes. You know, I had I liked Bruce Springsteen before. I mean, I grew up listening. My, my dad is a huge Bruce Springsteen fan. Mm-hmm. And so I grew up with a lot of Bruce Springsteen in my life, just like on the, the soundtrack and the mixtapes that my dad would make in my lifetime. Yeah. So I never like disliked Bruce Springsteen as like a musical character and a musical figure in my like lifetime. Mm-hmm. He comes off exceedingly sweet in this yeah. podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's rich. Oh, totally. He's really, really rich. And, um, you know, he's he definitely cosplays <laughs> yes. middle America. I yes. mean, yeah, we can't discount this cosplaying that he's doing at this point. Oh, yeah. But he both of them. Yeah. Rich. Yeah. There's an episode <laughs> called Money in the American Dream, which we will get into a little bit later. <laughs> okay. But, okay. Um, so to start off with, the first episode of the show is called Our Unlikely Friendship. Yeah. And it begins with Obama saying, On the surface, Bruce and I don't have a lot in common. He's a white guy from a small town in Jersey. I'm a black guy of mixed race, born in Hawaii, with a childhood that took me around the world. He's a rock and roll icon. I'm a lawyer and politician. Not as cool. And as I like to remind Bruce every chance I get, he's more than a decade older than me. Although, he looks damn good. Do you think that's true? Because I get the sense that like the whole premise is like, oh yeah, we're kind of two very different guys, but we have this relationship. They don't seem that different to me, though. They both seem like very, very similar people in a lot of ways. It's so funny. Um, our unlikely friendship, which started when you came and played at a campaign event of mine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was trying to remember the first time we actually met, and it probably was in 2008. Yeah during the campaign. That's right. You came to do a concert with us, was it in Michigan or Ohio? I have I have no recall. But, uh... <laughs> Not very unlikely. <laughs> yeah. What would have been unlikely was if he had gone and played at a Hillary campaign event during the primary, and oh, then totally. they became friends. That would have been way more unlikely. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no, it's not unlikely that I think Bruce Springsteen and Barack Obama would become friends because Barack Obama's campaign message, Barack Obama's whole backstory very much resonates with everything Bruce Springsteen has talked about his entire musical career, right? Yes, yes. The feeling of being an outsider, the feeling of like struggling against systems. Harkening to like a very specific vision of America and what it is. That's right. And also being, you know, Bruce Springsteen, you have to remember, has always been a social justice warrior of a kind. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, he's always been, he's never been afraid to like speak out against sort of Reaganomics and all that stuff. He always has taken a side. Like, Mm -hmm. He did the theme song for Philadelphia, for God's sake. Yeah. You know, like he's, you know, written songs about the AIDS crisis and so forth. So it doesn't surprise me that Their he, politics are very similar. Yes, that yeah. he hitched his wagon to the Obama brand early. I'm actually, I, I wouldn't have even been surprised if Bruce Springsteen had even gone farther and become like a Bernie bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Honestly, but, but Bruce Springsteen is- I think this is a good is, place for him, though. Yeah, it it's is like, a good place a for him. Fit. It's a natural fit. because he can still sort of be rich. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, comfortably rich. Yeah. So I think it's all- also a pretty regular thing on this show now to like talk about the audio quality. This is by far the best sounding podcast we've talked about so this far. This podcast is 
beautifully made. Yes. I love how the first episode opens. And I, I don't typically like it when podcasts do the contrived thing where it's like we're setting up to make the podcast. Yeah, yeah. I don't typically like that. I think it's contrived. I think it's dumb. It's like, test, test, test. Does this mic work? Like yeah, that stuff yeah, is so yeah. old. Harry coming into the room. Yeah, to like ask so, if he can touch Serena Williams' yeah. hair. <laughs> I like what you've done with your hair. That's a great vibe. It's also a very like old school radio lab done a million times. But like in this, yeah. in this case, there's like a charmingness to it that, that really works because they're setting the scene that they are not in a studio. Yeah. And it's lovely. Uh, this is for you, sir. Well, I like how y'all just put a little whiskey there just in case. We keep that there permanently. <laughs> just, just as well. <laughs> it just sits there just, it's just like while a, you're recording. Yeah. Something happens. Yeah. Well, you go, man, I need, I need. You know, that. You when you need it, you go get it. I don't need mine. Question: give you How do I regress? Barack, man, come on, dude. Just a second. You're here. You're on. Uh, <laughs> you're live. I'm gonna get it right. And the other thing that's so well done in this podcast um, are like musical montages that they yes, do. Yes, yeah. Super well done. You know, Hawaii was a place where you had top forty. Casey Kasem was on. At this time on American Top 40. My name is Casey Kasem, and the countdown continues and doesn't stop until we get to the number one. You know, I'm, I'm 10, 11 years old. You're listening to the radio, and there's songs that I end up just getting really attached to. You know, you got a 10 year old saying, And just the audio editing, the conversational editing. Hard to do with Obama. Yep. Very well done in this podcast. For all of the issues Spotify has as a distributor of like media and content, underpaying artists and such, one thing I do really like about Spotify podcasts is that they can just put infinite music in them. Yeah. And that it can be like a really central component of shows. Yeah, um, they can they can license the hell out of things because exactly. you know they have access to all the stuff. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't expecting Bruce to play. No. No. <laughs> Were you? No, and he still sounds really good. He I have to sounds say. How old is he? Like 70? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For my old man. I sit on his lap in that big old Buick. Steve. He sounds unbelievable because he and paul mccartney are about the same age and paul mccartney kind of sounds like shit now, paul mccartney but... has done a lot of drugs yeah. and a lot of those drugs involve like smoking the drugs mm -hmm. and i will say though bruce springsteen's voice we also hear i don't know if you listen to any of the music episode with the american music episode which i listened to yeah there's a tape of very very young bruce springsteen there's this gorgeous montage mm -hmm. where he talks about the chances of him becoming a music superstar. Yeah. And he's like, so the miracle is there's a million kids who pick up a guitar. You know, a certain amount of those kids learn how to strum a few chords. A certain amount of those kids learn how to play, play a few songs. And at one point in the montage, you hear him playing like a demo. Mm -hmm. This first song that I would like to do. A few of those get into the local band that makes a demo. Song about And then a few of those get into the local band that makes a record. And then a few 
His voice was very raspy when he was very young. Yeah. So for an old person, it really works because you don't mind the raspiness because it always sounded that way. Mm-hmm. Like that way that he talks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Literally the way he talked when he was young. I can imagine like Bruce Springsteen in high school being like, hey, can I have a hall pass to go to the bathroom? No, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He sounds amazing. And also that song, Hometown. Uh, That's a good song. Oh, yeah. my freaking great song. Sort of pick around any, anywhere. <laughs> All right. I was eight years old and running with a dime in my hand. The bus I remember hearing it in the 80s. It sounded so different to me. It sounded much more reverent of Freehold, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And when he describes what it's actually about, and it's sort of quasi-shitting on Freehold, New Jersey, and saying, like, yeah, you love these people, but it also, this place sucks, and it's yours. Yeah, yeah. Really, really interesting retrospective discussion about that song. Totally. So, you know, speaking of retrospection, one of <laughs> yeah. the other things... They, Nostalgia. One of the other things that Obama says like up top is that they like want to talk about like like quote unquote you know have a conversation about America <sighs> like and then he he qualifies it saying not as an airbrushed cheap fiction or an act of nostalgia that ignores all the ways that we've fallen short of that ideal which i think is pretty clearly like meant to be targeted at like make america great again yep and like saying we're not doing that but I feel like they are doing that. Yes. Be like, it's very clear. Like, and I think a little bit in the first episode, but also in the money episode where it's like in their minds, there was this time in America in the 50s and the 60s where like people didn't care about class and like you yes. could work your way up the ladder and yes. it's like all this stuff. But, Although Bruce Springsteen does talk about in the music episode, the myth of the melting pot. Talk about race. You have to talk about your differences. Talk about race. You have to talk about um to some degree, the deconstructing the myth of the melting pot. Which I found very interesting, but they don't like dispel the myth of the bootstraps, eh? Yeah, no, it's interesting. So I know you didn't listen to the money episode, so I won't talk about it too much. No, talk about it. But School I, me. It's very interesting. <laughs> what if Barack Obama and Bruce Springsteen, these men who have hundreds of millions of dollars, <laughs> have to tell us about money? So... First off, the episode starts off with a Ben Franklin quote where, like, Obama says, Benjamin Franklin, who did pretty well for himself in his day, is quoted as saying that money never made a man happy yet, nor will it. The more a man has, the more he wants. Instead of filling a vacuum, it makes one. Wise man, Mr. Franklin. You motherfucker. Like, I think that, like, calling out hypocrisy is, like, the second lowest form of political commentary after comparing people to Hitler. Um, Wait, was he saying that Ben was wrong to say that? No, he was saying that Ben was right. Like, yeah, money isn't the only thing that makes you happy. That's the thing that only rich people say. Yeah, which is like, I normally don't like to point out hypocrisy because I think it's like stupid and whatever. But like, come on, dude. That's (laughs) the thing that literally only people with money say. Yeah, yeah, Money does make you secure and happy. It does. And I can tell you this, like, I'm not rich. But I have been at points in my adult life where I've had a lot of debt and no money. Mm-hmm. And I was a lot less happy than I am right now <laughs> yeah. that I know that I can buy groceries tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Money does make you happier and healthier. That is a fact. And if you have money and you want to say something like money doesn't make you happy, you're lying. And every poor person hearing you hates you when you say that. Never say it again. Yeah. But I think the thing that's interesting about 
the episode is the way that they describe the 60s is very interesting and very telling because they talk about how in the 60s there was like solidarity across class lines in a way that there isn't today. What? Where this is, yeah, they're like... Part of what you're saying, though, is if you're growing up as a kid there and you're looking around, you think, all right, um, I'm pretty much on par with everybody else. Bobby Duncan down the street or with... You know, yeah. and and maybe Richie his Black dad, here. maybe his dad runs the bank, uh, whereas my dad, you know, works at the bank or works in the factory. Yeah, but I don't feel as if I am somehow on the outside looking in. Basically, their thing is like people used to not feel like class matters, like, and that class is just about your feelings, really, which is like. A very, very confused perspective, I feel like, mostly because it ignores the fact that class has nothing to do with the way you feel. Like, it has to do with your material position in the world. Right. Um, but also the fact that, like, sure, like, there was less income inequality in America in the 50s and 60s. That is true. However, that was propped up by the fact that America was, like, the sole survivor of World War II and had one of the fucking largest empires in the world. And they were exploiting every other country in the world. Yeah in order to have that prosperity at home. So like, it's a vision of class, which only extends as far as like the boundaries of the US, which is- It also had to do with the fact that rich people were taxed at like a very exorbitant rate in the middle of the 20th century. And so there there were not oligarchs in the United States. I mean, there were. there were. There were, but they were being taxed and like stuff was being done with their money. Yeah. You know, libraries were being built. Services were there to be had. Public Mm -hmm. schools were being built. When I was a kid, we used to have like dentistry services at my public school. We used to get fluoride treatments and, you know, tuberculosis tests and like scoliosis Mm -hmm. and like health stuff. And, and like just the, the, the social safety net you got when you were going to school that has just been gutted because there's just no tax base anymore. And of course there's a class divide. Like that's amazing to me that they would say that. There's that part of it that I found interesting. The other part is like, it's on full display in the episode, this episode. And I think we see this in some of the other ones too. This like palpable anxiety that they have about their class position, or at least they're like performing that where like Bruce and Obama both talk about, for instance, like Bruce is talking about how he bought this like huge house in like a rich neighborhood in New Jersey, which is very different. And he's talks. Oh, like I feel so terrible that I felt so terrible at the time. I I remember I bought a, a house in, in, in the most exclusive community in this little part of New Jersey. And I felt terrible about it. <laughs> right. right. I go, first night I'm in that house, I'm like, what the fuck? Have I lost my fucking mind? Am I, am I going crazy? Obama talks about this too, where he's like, I'm worried I'm losing touch and all of this stuff. I find it very interesting, this kind of like anxiety. I think you don't just see this with like incredibly rich people. I think you. it's just something where when you are like upwardly mobile, especially this generation of boomers that in college were like generally very involved in like lefty politics or whatever. And then they join the professional world and it feels like you just have to perform this anxiety about how bad you feel about right. the things you have and all this shit, which is complete fucking bullshit yeah. in Obama's case. Cause like they both like are living it up and yeah. like seem to be having a great time. You like, can have stuff and also give a bunch of money away. You can do both. Both things can be true. You know, it's funny. I, I've really, I, I'm really not 
a fan of Oprah anymore. Um, you know, I think yeah. as as much of a great media Another figure, female Joe Rogan, right? But as much of a great media figure as she is and was, obviously, she spun a bunch of monsters in the world, and they're all coming back to bite us in the ass right now. And that's yep. and she hasn't addressed it, which is hugely problematic. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, other other issues. However, one thing I have always liked about Oprah, yeah, is that she grew up very poor, mm-hmm. and when she became rich. She had no fucking problem being a rich person. Yeah, yeah, and she yeah, was yeah, always yeah. like, this is my beautiful home in Santa Barbara. See, that's kind of why, like, <laughs> my I, favorite rich... And I earned it. <laughs> I think my favorite rich person might be Paris Hilton. Because, like, I remember at the beginning of the pandemic when there's all those videos. Like, there was the Imagine video. Imagine there's no heaven. Josh Gad or whatever in his mansion. Be like, it's okay to cry sometimes. It's important for everybody to understand that we're all going through so much uncertainty right now meanwhile paris hilton's like look at me in my mansion (laughs) so during quarantine i've been just at home it's been nice to not travel so i'm just really enjoying this time with my pets and my boyfriend yeah i love that listen i if i were rich i would have nice things yeah I'd also give like a lot of money away. I I mean, both things can be true. It's not even about giving money away. It's just this like the performance of the anxiety about it where you have to like tell everybody how bad you feel about doing all this stuff, having all this stuff. Correct. I find very interesting. Correct. Okay. Back to the first episode, our unlikely friendship. Unlikely. It's like it's like me saying to you, Henry, we're such unlikely friends. Yeah, really. It's so <laughs> unlikely that we're doing this podcast together. Literally, we live together and there's yeah, a podcast yeah, yeah, studio yeah, in our yeah. basement. So unlikely. <laughs> very, very much so. Okay, so they talk about like this nostalgia shit at the beginning. Did you notice what the ads were in this episode? No. The first ad was for Hamilton the musical, oh, which they were is all for Hamilton. That's right. Yeah, which was completely on brand. It was so perfect. This episode is brought to you by Hamilton on Broadway. Brand new block of tickets going up for sale. Yes. Um, And the second one was uh, adult Lego sets. (laughs) 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 Which is awesome that they're marketing Legos to adults. I actually did get both of those ads and you are right. They are perfect. Yes. Yeah. They're perfect. The demographics are perfect. I know. I know. And then after the first ad break, they talk about like race is like basically the rest of the episode. And I think some of it's actually kind of interesting because like Bruce Springsteen like grew up in New Jersey when the race riots were happening there, which were insane. Like, Yeah. I mean, Bruce's take is really interesting because I think he says something that I really related to. He grew up in a really integrated town. Uh, and he talks mm-hmm. about sort of the unspoken rules of like having black friends in an integrated town when you have like a quasi racist family. Yeah. I grew up in a bit of an integrated neighborhood. I had black friends when I was really young, but there were a lot of rules. Whose house you go to. That's right. And whose you can't. Whose you can't. Who you can't have in your house. Right. To some extent, I related to that. I mean, I grew up in a minority white town, too. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't remember so much of those unwritten rules, but I do remember them existing. But it was very interesting how just like quick he was to be like, yeah, my my town was racist. My town was like, whatever. Um, But also like how also quickly he felt like he had to be like, but I love those people. Yeah. Hey, these were the people I loved. With all of their limitations, all of their blessings. All of their curses, all of their dreams, all of their nightmares. These were the people that I loved. 
And that's hard, a hard, I, I think that when you're as famous as Bruce Springsteen is and you're talking to like a black person face to face, that must not be an easy thing to say. I don't know. I thought the conversation was the most interesting one. Like he was just talking about growing up and like his experiences and what that was like. However, I think where it kind of gets off track to me is the whole like this is like a general trend in like journalism where it's all about like having a conversation about race where they like start to broaden it out. Why is it so hard to talk about race? Why am I? Why am I pausing here? (laughs) You know, and I think it's this weird thing where it like makes politics very apolitical when like all politics just becomes about the conversation itself if only we could talk who is this for right yeah because anybody that hates barack obama is not going to listen to it anyway no right and anybody who likes bruce springsteen but hates barack obama might listen to two seconds of this, but as soon as they realize that Bruce and, and Barack Obama are friends, they're probably not going to like Bruce Springsteen anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they're probably not going to listen to it either. So they're probably not going to get to the part where Bruce is like, I grew up in Freehold, New Jersey, and one of my friends was in a car where a shotgun, you know, was put in the car yeah. and like shot some kids. And they're not going to get to the part where they could actually learn anything yeah so it's very preaching to the choir-esque anyway yeah so like is it for this very narrow slice of liberals who still don't think racism is real like is it for yeah. that very tiny is it, is it for that slice of people yeah you're definitely right like this is a show like a, a really good example of a podcast like well produced has the money behind it two huge figures but at the same time, it's just a whole fucking bag of nothing. Like, yeah. who is this for? Like, uh, I just don't understand. Like, if you want to hear conversations with thought leaders, disruptors, you can listen to the Goop podcast that yep. already exists. Yep. I mean, how fun would it be to have hear the conversation? Remember when he talks to um, Bruce about how happy Michelle was? They became friends. Michelle was very pleased in the insights you had <laughs> about. Your failings as a man. Oh, yeah. And after we would leave a dinner or party or conversation, she'd say, you see how Bruce understands his shortcomings and has come to terms with them? I want Michelle to pop in and be like, so here's what I actually said. Because you know that he's like changing what she said. And you know how like, you know how we all do that? We all say, here's what my spouse said. And our spouse is like, that's not exactly what I said. I'd love for Michelle to interject and be like, whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) Dude, there was such a funny part in the money episode where like Barack Obama is talking about graduating Harvard and becoming an activist in Chicago and like all this anxiety he has about, oh, I could go to a white shoe law firm and make money. But like, am I selling out if I'm just going to do that and blah, blah, blah. And then he talks about meeting Michelle, who apparently is just like... Like, no, I just want the cash. Yeah. Like, I want to be fucking loaded. Good <laughs> like, for her. Michelle, partly because she was very clear about who she was, loving parents, you know, family, community. She doesn't feel like she needs to get redeemed. She feels like, <laughs> I just need some money. <laughs> what other thoughts did you have listening to this? I had the thought that Barack Obama secretly wants to be a musician. And not and not a politician. Dude, totally. I mean, okay, this is like a, you know, popular thing to say in like the quote dirtbag left or whatever, that it's like Obama just became president to be a celebrity and to like be friends with John Legend and whatever, which I think is like maybe partially true in his post presidency. Like obviously 
he's enjoyed being a celebrity and that sort of thing. However, you're definitely right, because he talks in the music episode about growing up and loving to sing and that sort of thing. And every time he starts a song, you notice this? It's in the right key. Yeah. It's incredible. Further on up the road. Someone's gonna hurt you like it. Wait, we gotta get on right key. I got I gotta get to your Let me hear where you're at. Further on up the road. Further on up the road. No, he's obviously a good singer. I mean, like one of the like key moments of his presidency is like after the shooting in South Carolina where he sings Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace. Al Green, he sings in one of his uh, speeches to the podium. Remember that? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, And I don't know, I think it's part of like Obama's appeal is like even when like he can't get the gun reform legislation passed after this shooting or whatever, his whole fucking move is to like, I feel you like I really feel you, which is like very much what you see in this podcast. And like part of what I talked about at the beginning in terms of him maintaining his brand is yes. like relatable and in touch with real people and that sort of thing look look away from the drone from stuff the mansion yeah <laughs> look away from the torture Stop. in guantanamo <laughs> i would love if fucking bruce springsteen's like i want to talk about libya man <laughs> look away from all of that avert your eyes he's got the fucking money hose just shooting it at wall street fucking <laughs> avert your eyes from all the things oh my god dude <laughs> but yeah, this is the like, the more and more I think about it, he really is just like, I feel you kind of guy. Like, yeah. I understand. And that's kind of what a lot of people want out of politics, I think, is just to like felt seen and heard. And, you know, it's all about, like I said, with the like class thing where it's just about how you feel. It's about vibes. I also think he is really, really wants us to, re- to be reminded of how difficult it was. And this is true. For him to be president with a Congress that would not let him do anything. And this is like his opportunity to be like, here's what I would have done if I could do anything I wanted. That being said, I'm not sure that that's true. (laughs) I do not. Yeah. You know. Mm, You know. You know. Yeah. This is a big thing. You young people know. His his fucking biographies and whatever, where it's like all the stuff that I... Really wish I wanted to. I don't believe that personally. I think that they like were sabotaging themselves from the beginning. But yeah, any final thoughts about this podcast? I mean, like, I, I, I feel like it's interesting. I don't have as much to say about it because it's mostly pretty good. It's well produced. The conversations are like fluffy and not very substantial as typical in a lot of these celebrity podcasts. But it's Obama and Bruce Springsteen's the fucking boss and oh bummer, dude. Like, yeah, I mean, I just love hearing these guys vibe at moments. It's also incredibly frustrating and, you know, nails on a chalkboard at other moments. I have one last thing I want to say. Yeah. Bruce is a great talker. Mm -hmm. Obama's speech patterns make it very difficult sometimes for Bruce to talk because Bruce is reserved. Yeah, yeah. And Obama has, as we know, 
the relentless pauses. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I yeah. figured out how he uses them when he's talking in order to dominate conversation when I was Powerful, listening to this. yeah. So what he does is very often, do you know how sometimes when people pause, you think they're done with a sentence? Mm-hmm. Obama does this thing where he has a word before his pauses that you makes you know he's not done with a sentence. So yeah. he'll say, so what I'm going to have for lunch is some ham and cheese on a sandwich yeah yeah yeah. so he'll put a word before the pause so you know you cannot say anything yeah and it's very very dominant conversational style that i'm sure he has used his whole life as like a rhetorical tool as a way to be dominant in the political sphere and when i'm listening to this podcast i'm like man i really want the sentence to end because i really want to hear more bruce We're, we're actually talking and i just left delivering the eulogy for my friend john lewis uh, one of the giants of the civil rights movement, uh, and and somebody who was probably as responsible for m- making America a better, freer, uh, more generous place, and making our democracy live up to its promise. Because to me, yeah, I'm so used to hearing Obama. He was yeah. president for eight years. Now mm-hmm. I'm listening to him on documentaries about like sharks and stuff. Like to be to be real, Bruce is the one that I'm here for, especially yeah, yeah. when I know he might just pull out his guitar any second and like <laughs> sing a song, which I was not expecting. That's an interesting observation with Obama, too, because it, I've always thought of it as like he's being methodical and very intentional and smart with how he's speaking. But it is definitely also a way of inserting your big dick energy into the podcast. It's a like, rhetorical trick. Yeah, it yeah. is it's a conversational trick. It's a it's it's a way to be dominant in the room. Yeah. OK, so what do you think? Do you think people should listen to this one? I think, no offense, Boomer listeners, but I do think that you will like this one quite oh, a bit. Oh, yeah, I think absolutely. it's Especially if you lean liberal, like feeling good about your liberal feelings yeah. and have Obama nostalgia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you are not that listener and you don't care about Bruce Springsteen, you're going to be bored to tears by the podcast. <laughs> 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 but it is it sounds really beautiful it yeah, sounds yeah, yeah, it sounds yeah, yeah. really beautiful and i i really i seriously doubt anybody who worked on or produced this podcast is listening but if you are you did a very very good job putting this thing together because i know obama is very hard to edit and now that he's not president anymore mm-hmm. you are allowed to actually edit him but uh you did a beautiful job constructing this thing with the material you had to work with absolutely yeah for former trotskyist upwardly mobile boomer yuppies this is the podcast for you. <laughs> it is. So for us. Very specific. Maybe not so much. Yeah. <laughs> is that going to do it for us? I think that's it. Um, do we know what we're talking about next time? Or are we going to make some suggestions? It's your pick. There are some very new, interesting celebrity podcasts out. Of course, everyone is telling us we have to talk about Smart List. So at some point, we should cover that, right? Mm-hmm. But there's a couple of new ones out that I am intrigued by. Okay. One of them is a podcast by former talk show host from my uh, young life, but Ricky Lake, uh-huh. actress turned talk show host. It's called Raised by Ricky. So that's on my list. Okay. There's another very strange podcast out that's charting by Icelandic singer Bjork. Bjork. Yes. <laughs> that has some of the weirdest episode descriptions I have ever seen. I don't know if it could hold up an old episode, but I'm thinking it might be a kicker for one of my future episodes. So those two are on my list, but I'm also open for suggestions. So, you know, um, if listeners want to chime in and tell us something that we must do. Send us an email. Yeah. So there's a few things on my list. I will make a selection before next Monday, Henry, I promise. Wonderful. (laughs) 
This episode of Celebrity Podcast Podcast was produced by me, Henry Lavoie, with way too many nostalgic suggestions from Rebecca Lavoie. Music in this podcast was by Bruce Springsteen in Nongdo. Original podcast art was made by Jeff Lasseter. Want to buy a sponsorship? Yes. Or, <laughs> or make a suggestion for a celebrity podcast we should cover? Send us an email at celebpodpod at gmail.com. I'm Henry Lavoie. And I'm Rebecca Lavoie. And that is it. Bye. Bye.